I'm Jennifer Grayson, and this is the Uncivilized Podcast. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. I'm Jennifer Grayson. Thank you so much for tuning in to this 10th episode of the show, which I'm really excited about. I can't believe how time is flying by. And I have been really, really excited to bring you this show that I have for you today with HipCamp founder Alyssa Ravazio. If you don't know what HipCamp is, well, I think it's probably the greatest website ever invented. Um, The best way to describe it is that it's like Airbnb meets camping. Check it out now if you are by an internet device, www.hipcamp.com. Alyssa founded the site in 2013, and since then, it has just exploded in popularity. It has made camping so much more accessible, not only to a new generation of campers, but opened up this incredible opportunity for people who live in rural areas and who own private land to open up that land to campers, to earn income for that land and to protect that land, which might otherwise be turned over to developers and corporate interests. So it's actually been an amazing force for land conservation, which you are going to hear about from Alyssa in just a bit. So I think this is the perfect episode to start off the new year with, very much in line with my new year's resolution, which is to go camping a lot more. And I'm talking like every six weeks, that's our plan. So that we as a family not only get that time away from the city, that time immersed in nature, but that I get really proficient at it because I'm admittedly still a pretty weak camper. Um, maybe admittedly, I'm someone who wakes up sometimes still in the middle of the night with a full panic attack because I'm not used to the dark and the stillness and the sounds of coyotes close by. And I know a lot of you listening are hardcore campers, hardcore outdoors people who are maybe laughing at me and that's okay. Um, but I know also that a lot of you listening are newbie campers who maybe need that push to get out there to just do it, which is why I am sharing my own shortcomings with you. Because I don't think I can have the life that I want to live, spending larger stretches of time in the wild, hopefully through hiking one day, giving my kids the opportunity to learn more wilderness skills, which I know they love. I know I can't do that without learning how to be a better camper. And after my family's camping trip to Joshua Tree last month, my husband was like, Okay, I am fully on board now. I get what this is all about. So this is a family New Year's resolution and effort that we are really excited about. While we are on the topic of New Year's resolutions, before I jump into the interview, I just want to add as an interesting side note, since my mission these days has been to kind of re-examine every aspect of our modern westernized culture. So you might be interested to note that the tradition of the New Year's resolution itself is in fact very much a legacy of our westernized civilized culture that arose thousands of years ago from the agricultural practices of the ancient Babylonians. I could probably do a whole nother show about that, and maybe I will next year. So, you know, for those of you who already think New Year's resolutions are silly, uh, maybe that's more fuel for your fire. But the truth is, I love New Year's resolutions, and I love the opportunity to start fresh, and I especially love this resolution about camping that I am making this year. And I think you're going to be inspired to make your own camping resolution after you hear Alyssa here in this episode, because 
She is just so cool. So I am going to sign off now and leave you with this terrific interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I will be back next Monday with a new episode of the Uncivilized podcast. Alyssa Ravazio has always had the spirit of a pioneer. A lover of nature, camping, and the great outdoors, she has a passion for the planet that informs every decision she makes. However, she is also a digital philosopher who spends a lot of time thinking about the internet and the impact that it will have on the environment and humanity itself. These qualities have combined to create a unique individual who uses her interest to help shape the world around her every single day. While studying at UCLA, Alyssa demonstrated her curiosity and individuality by creating her own major called Digital Democracy. This allowed her to spend her time studying the phenomenon of new media and how it is evolving and changing society. In June 2013, Alyssa launched HipCamp, that's at hipcamp.com, an online platform to get people outside and also experience private lands such as farms, nature preserves, and more. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you went to UCLA, huh? So what are some of your favorite camping spots in Southern California? Well, I love the beach. So anything I can do that's close to the ocean is always my favorite. Um, I think there's a ton of actually kind of undiscovered places still in Malibu Canyon that have um, some good hiking sites and uh, just beautiful places where you can be close to the, the waves. And so when you go camping, what's your usual? I'm really curious. What's your usual camping setup? What kind of gear do you bring along? Um, you know, I, I have a tent um, that I love. I've got um, just kind of the basic sleeping bags. I, one thing that I do that people always think is a bit weird is I, I hate blowing up sleeping pads. I think it's really just unnecessarily complicated. And so I use those egg crate uh, folding sleeping pads. Um, and that's, uh, I would actually highly recommend it if you're, if you're lazy like I am and, and like to uh, <laughs> just get set up as quickly as possible. I'm glad you told me about that because we're actually going camping in Joshua Tree for over Thanksgiving. And the last time we went, we tried to use the little, you know, inflatable mattresses and they were such a disaster. I was kind of curious what I should use this time around. Egg crates. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of egg crates. I do sleep on a futon, like a Japanese futon normally, so I'm used to a firmer ground, but um, I think they're great, and I think they're good for your back, too. Great. I will definitely check it out. Uh, so tell me about your path to hip camp. How did you come up with the idea? It's such a brilliant one. Oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, I grew up camping. <laughs> I was very fortunate to have a family that uh, prioritized getting outside, so spent a lot of time um, every year, every summer with my two little sisters and my family, just spending uh, weeks, sometimes two weeks um, at, at campsites and really getting comfortable with the outdoors. And so for me, um, you know, making sure that I was getting outside often and um, really making sure to spend time in nature has been just really important um, my entire life. So that's where um, a lot of that passion comes from. And then um, as you mentioned at UCLA, uh, I really became obsessed with the internet. I just think it's the most powerful tool, you know, humans have ever created. And I'm really passionate about um, how are we going to use it? Because I'm of the belief that most technologies are neutral and therefore the impact they're going to have on our planet really depends on who learns to use them and what they use them for. And so for me, HipCamp was a way to really, you know, harness this uh, just massive power of the internet uh, for nature and and for really um, making sure that people who I believe are part of nature um, continue to remember this and continue to really get outside on a regular basis. So um, it started with a camping trip I was planning for myself and my boyfriend and our friends and 
um, I was just so frustrated with how how bad the websites were, how um, fragmented all the information was across the various government agencies that had different campgrounds. Um, I spent hours and hours planning and uh, finally chose a campsite, um, had to wing it and drive five hours and hope for the best on a first come first serve site. And, you know, even though we got the site, which was great, the campground itself um, was super crowded. And um, to make matters really worse, we, we found out upon arriving that everyone had their surfboards. And there was an incredible surf break. And even though I'd researched online for many hours and read you know, everything about this campground um, that the government had had published that no one had mentioned the surf break. And so at that moment, I realized camping was broken and the Internet could fix it and um, started building Hip Camp, got the idea that day, actually driving back from the site and uh, went to a school and learned how to program and started building Hip Camp um, really, really right after that camping trip. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's what I think is so amazing about you, because I think, you know, whereas a lot of people who are super into nature, uh, myself included, are sort of wary of all the technology that we've created, of how hectic life is in the 21st century, you've really embraced it. And so you learned how to code. Tell us more about that, because I just think that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, learning learning how to program was way more fun than I thought it would be. Let's put it that way. Um, again, because um, in college, I'd really kind of gained this um, appreciation and respect for the Internet. I knew I wanted to build um, things with the Internet. Um, so learning how to code was this really natural step. Um, but I kind of figured it was like this medicine I was going to have to take to earn the right to you know, work in the Internet space. Um, but I actually loved learning how to program. It's really a practice, um, you know, kind of like yoga or surfing where there's really no end goal or destination. You can always get better at it. There's definitely a level of mastery you can attain, but even then, um, there's just no limit to how how much you can improve. And it's just this thing you have to do every day and you get better and better. And I actually find um, so much peace and joy in those kind of practices. So I was really surprised to find that coding was like that. And um, I would say anyone who's looking to code, I get asked all the time if people are interested in learning how to program. Um, and I just, I think it's one of the best investments you can make um, in yourself, in your career. And it's just, it's a lot of fun as well. It's not for everyone, um, but it's, uh, if it's a skill that you enjoy learning, um, you can definitely just keep learning and become really, really good at it probably more quickly than you think. Yeah, I love how you've embraced it. That's really cool. And so, so tell us a little more about in the, your bio, you call yourself a digital philosopher, which which kind of sounds very millennial. Can you explain more about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Sorry, I'm, those words. I'm a couple. Um, I'm a couple years past millennial, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, digital philosopher is an interesting phrase. I don't actually know if I chose those words, so um, I'm. I'm thinking about them, but essentially, you know, what I really think about. Um, I, I think they're fair, I guess, because what I think about a lot is the impact that these technologies are having on us. I'm a huge, um, you know, again, in college, I got, I feel so lucky I got to spend time with um, all these professors who were really, um, you know, just a huge part of the internet culture. The internet was actually invented at UCLA. Fun fact, not a lot of people know about. It was the location of the first server that sent the first message on, back then, it was called the ARPANET, which was this you know, secret government project that was being used to connect uh, researchers around the world. And, 
you know, really getting to think about what do these technologies do when they get introduced into our lives and how can we as individuals and as, as societies, how can we guide that impact? What impact can we have on them? Um, I'm a big believer of Marshall McLuhan, who's the creator of the the famous slogan that the medium is the message that what matters so much is not even, you know, the content that these different technologies carry to us, but the actual shape of the technology and how they they change us and they change our brains. I think um, text message is a great example, right? Now that everyone texts all the time, our communication styles have just radically shifted to emojis and, um, you know, being really short and using all these funny uh, acronyms. And um, it really changes how we communicate and how we think as people. So my, um, my interest in the internet is really comes from one, recognizing that it's the first technology that has the power to connect us as a planet um, which is super exciting. Um, but two, just recognizing that anything that powerful is going to change um, our planet and our cultures um, dramatically. And again, in, in, in the spirit of technology itself being somewhat neutral, um, really getting intentional about learning how to use the technology so that you can guide its impact um, is really a natural, a natural next step for me. Um, because I want to, you know, I want to, I think when you look around the world today, it's very clear that a lot of our kind of commonly accepted societal and cultural norms are just not going to work on this planet. We have finite resources. Um, we cannot support an endless growth economy without being conscientious of that. And so I think there's a really interesting opportunity to rethink how we, um, how we want to build our, uh, our lives and our cultures. And I think the internet can be a big part of of helping that. So um, I do like to think about this stuff, I guess, quite a bit. It sounds like you do. And I'm really interested too to hear about how you how that trickles down in your personal life. So how do you balance the demands of your job, which must be, I, I know how hectic <laughs> your life must be. And so how do you how do you balance the screen time and coding and being on social media, um, and the demands of work with this, your mission, which is to connect yourself and to more people with nature? How do you how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, it's a great question, and I would say that um, you know the 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 most important answer I can give there is that you have to try lots of different things and and see what works for you, right? So what works for me isn't going to be what works for everyone else, but we're certainly at a point in time where um, there aren't any good answers to these questions, and they're really important questions. <laughs> um, yeah, and nothing works for me right now, Alyssa. So I really do want to okay, know what cool. works for you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll share a bit about what works for me, just with the disclaimer that what works for me is not always going to work for everyone. So um, one uh, really sacred rule for me, just in general, is I leave my computer at the office, and I am not looking at a screen after work. Um, I'm not doing email on my. I'm not. After dinner, I'm not opening my phone and knocking out, you know, another few emails. I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not certainly not opening up my computer. Um, in general, I try to like. It's hard because it's winter now, but in general, like when the sun is going down, if I'm still working, I try to really think about that and ask if I need to. <laughs> um, so really, uh, just trying to like stay aligned with nature, um, and that also means getting up early. And um, again, not looking at screens once it's dark. I think it, you really need to think about if you need to be doing that, if you're doing that, because it messes up your sleep. There's so much science now that shows, um, you know, looking at screens after the sun goes down just really <clears throat> sends all these messages to our brain that we haven't evolved to handle. We're just confusing ourselves. Um, so that's one huge one. And then, you know, the most the most important one, though, is just getting outside. I think uh, nature is the perfect antidote to 
the ailments of our modern society, especially with regards to screen time and, um, you know, all of the crazy alerts and messages and news feeds. And um, it's, it's just so important to take time and really disconnect from all that and reset. I, I know that for me personally and for a lot of my friends, um, we've kind of talked about quite frequently how we would never make a serious decision about our lives, not in nature. Like we don't almost trust <laughs> our, our deep thinking skills in a world where um, there's just so much distraction, right? We have this in- incredible um, power of the internet. And unfortunately, I would say, um, the revenue models that are driving so much of internet business today is based on advertising. And the problem with advertising is it means everyone is, you know, using the most brilliant minds of our our time to figure out how to distract you and grab your attention. And they're really good at it. And it's really dangerous. And so um, to your question on social media, I actually personally, for my personal accounts, barely use it. Um, barely post on any social media accounts, um, try to, you know, check in as, as rarely as I can. Um, and I think that actually really helps me just stay focused on the things that matter the most, um, the people I, I really care about the most. Um, don't get me wrong, I think Facebook especially has, um, Facebook and Instagram have, you know, connected people in a way that is really exciting that wouldn't have been possible without them. But I think specifically I have a big problem with their revenue model um, and, and the implications that that advertising based model has for um, what they do to our brains. <laughs> uh, so I try to uh, buffer myself as much as I can from that world. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell me, let's talk more about HipCamp, because I'm really interested to know. So who are the types of people using HipCamp? Yeah, so I think one of the really exciting and fun things about HipCamp is that um, we have a huge range of people who are using HipCamp, um, and there tends to be a huge difference between uh, what we call the demand side, which is like our campers, our customers, the people actually booking and staying at campsites, and then the supply side of our marketplace, which are our partners, um, our landowners, our hosts. And um, there's a lot of diversity on both sides, and generalizations are always, you know, somewhat dangerous. But for the um, the sake of, you know, just communicating, there is a huge difference between the two groups, which is really fun. So on the camper side, it's normally uh, younger people um, heavily skewed to the millennial demographic um, with an increasing growth in a lot of young families and um, boomers who are now buying RVs, which is really exciting. Um, but for the most part, think young, think urban, um, think, you know, people who are looking to get away from technology, looking to spend some quality time with their friends or their partner, um, and just, you know, in, in general, kind of of that of that demographic. And then on the supply side, on the landowner side, the people who actually have these properties and are hosting these campers, these people are um, very rural. Um, they're, they often own hundreds of acres, so they can be quite, you know, isolated and in their own um, in their own world a bit. Um, they tend to be much older um, by by decades. Um, their political beliefs can be very different from those that live in cities. If you look at the map of the Trump Clinton elections, for example, you can actually see that the rural urban divide almost exactly demarcates which counties voted for who, which is, I think, a very interesting phenomenon. Um, and so bringing these two um, groups of people together who really um, span, you know, political divides, um, generational divides, uh, the urban-rural divide, 
uh, in many cases, the demographic divide or the sexual orientation divide and bringing them together on um, this really powerful shared set of values around an appreciation and respect for nature is super fun and really interesting and very challenging all at the same time. So we really think what we're doing, um, you know, in addition to increasing access to nature and, and making the outdoors more accessible to people and providing, you know, a powerful income stream for landowners who want to protect uh, their land and their property. We're also building community across the urban rural divide. And I think that's a really powerful and, and needed thing, in, uh, especially in the United States today. Yeah, it's, I think the land sharing aspect of what you're doing is so interesting. And I can we talk more about that? Because I I love how you're not just like you said, building community and reconnecting people to the land. But I also can we talk about how you're also preserving the land itself? Because I think yeah. that's, that's a really important part of what you're doing, too. Yeah, so I think we've created the most scalable model for conservation or habitat protection on the planet. Um, we, we have a model where anyone who is a private landowner, um, and again, these properties can be, you know, a few acres, but on the edge of a you know, beautiful lake or nature preserve all the way up to properties that are literally thousands and thousands of acres. And um, by providing them with the platform that offers, you know, insurance, uh, all the marketing that they need, um, you know, all of the software they need for handling calendar and payments, um, we essentially make it really simple and really turnkey for them to turn this underutilized um, piece of land into a revenue generator um, without having to compromise on, you know, what what's often their core values around wanting to protect this habitat for, um, you know, wildlife, for plants and animals. And in doing that, um, you know, bringing this revenue in for them, we really can, in many cases, make the difference between a situation where somebody is um, not sure they're going to be able to hold on to the property, considering selling it, considering clear-cutting a section of the forest. Um, those are their other options for revenue generation um, quite often, whereas camping um, is this way to bring in money with ha- without having to compromise or really extract any natural resources at all. And so um, one story on that, we actually have um, a rancher uh, not too far from, from where I'm based here in San Francisco who gave me this letter recently, and it's from a land development group, and it basically says they've identified her property as you know, an incredible place to build a uh, big housing development and they want to buy the land from her. And she said, you know, I hate these letters. This is everything I'm, I'm against. She's a great example of someone who's, you know, currently replanting native species, um, restoring her watershed, um, creating salmon habitat to try to bring the salmon back to the river she's on. And, and she's like, you know, if, if these people came in and built this, it would destroy everything, everything I believe in. We want to make this land better. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to have to call him because I don't know how I'm going to make my mortgage next month. Um, she gave me the letter, though, because she said, Hip Camp makes this letter junk mail to me now. I know I have the income coming in. I know I'm going to be able to pay that that mortgage and that property tax. And um, that's the impact that we are so excited to scale up right now um, in the face of, you know, climate change and biodiversity just you know, really plummeting across the board. Um, we're really excited to scale a model for for protecting and preserving habitat. Wow, that's really amazing. So, on the other side, the people who are looking to go camping on these on these lands, on these privately owned lands, what do you say to people who have maybe gotten used to this idea with something like Airbnb, but not are a little wary of doing it 
for camping, you know, going to someone's land who might be a stranger. Is there, yeah, because is there any way you could like, alleviate? In the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's obviously when you go camping at like a, a federal site or a state campsite, there's always the risk you never know who's next to you in the tent either. Mm-hmm. But as I've been talking about hip camp and people love the idea there, you know, those concerns do kind of come up. So I was hoping you could maybe address that. Yeah, I think, you know, the the most important thing is uh, with any marketplace like this are the community and the reviews they leave. So um, I would say for anyone who does feel that hesitation, there are plenty of places you can stay where, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 people have already gone and left a review um, really describing their experience and, um, you know, what they, what they, what they, what happened while they were there. And so, um, I think reading through those reviews often puts those any concerns in that in that area to ease. Yeah, like you said, this idea of building trust and building community, which I think is so cool. Mm-hmm. So, Alyssa, how do you envision Hip Camp evolving? What are your hopes for what you've created? For where we are right now, again, I think the model we've we've created here, both you know the the ability to unlock access to nature, uh, especially around cities, especially around urban areas, um, the ability to protect you know, habitat that is often at risk. There's a funny parallel there that the places where people most want to go, which tend to be close to cities and, and places with beautiful views, tend to be the exact places that are most at risk for suburban sprawl and development. And so there's a really interesting overlap there. And I just think that that, um, that impact and that model, it's really just about scaling that up and reaching, um, you know, the entire United States. We are available across the country right now. We've got about 18,000 hip camp sites, um, but it's about, you know, how, how do we reach the next 500,000 hip camp sites, um, both in the United States and then eventually around the whole world. So we're really excited to continue building out um, more of these beautiful private lands you can go stay on, uh, many of which can feature, um, you know, when we say making it more accessible, it's not just that they're, you know, a 20 minute drive from the city instead of you know, three hours, but it's also about a place that maybe has a yurt or a canvas tent or somewhere to stay that, you know, is accessible to you, even if you don't own the the egg crate sleeping pads and the tent and all the gear. Um, and that's really what we're looking to to expand and to scale out around the world. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you mentioned people who, you know, may need a little bit more comfort. So can you just tell me some real quick tips you have for people who are just starting out camping or who are new to your site and, and or maybe even having trouble finding the time to go tam- camping? Any tips for them? Yeah. So on the time one, I would point to the, uh, I think it's Buddhist, maybe it's Zen. Uh, some, there's a, there's a great quote that's something like, if you think you are, if you're too busy to meditate for 30 minutes, meditate for an hour. <laughs> So I would say if you feel like you don't have time to go camping, you probably need to go camping more than anybody. Um, it's just so important in, in terms of giving yourself that space to really think through your your life and, and your priorities. And who knows, maybe you'll go camping, you'll come back and you realize you don't need to do a bunch of the things you thought you had to do. You can say no. We do have that power in this country. Um, so that's one big thing. And then from a, a, a standpoint of, you know, if you're newer to camping, um, we do have a great filter <laughs> on the site, very tactical tip, but you can say, I only want to see hip camps with structures on them. And these are places where you don't need to bring a tent or a sleeping bag. Um, these are going to be tree houses, cabins, yurts, canvas tents. Um, really, there's a big spectrum of, of things or structures you can stay in. And I always advise people to get started this way because especially if you're a family, you know, investing in all the sleeping bags and pads and tents, 
can be super expensive. Um, it can be a big barrier to people getting out there. So when we look at the market of, you know, our potential customers, we actually look at people who own, you know, tents and sleeping bags and sleeping pads um, as as really the smaller part of that market. If you imagine an upside down pyramid, the people who already have all that gear are just the very tip of the pyramid. And the biggest part of the market of people who want to get outside, who are potential hip camp customers, don't own a tent today. Um, and that's really important to us. Our mission is to get more people outside. And we really mean that it's not get the same people outside more often or get the same people outside, but on hip camps, it's getting more people outside and connected with nature. Um, so to anyone who's new to camping, I would say it's not as scary as you think. Don't let the all the media and scary ads out there that make you think you need Gore-Tex and an ice pick to <laughs> go outside scare you. It's it's not true. It's them trying to get you to buy more stuff. Um, and and just get out there. And if you want to, you know, stay in a stay in a cabin, stay in a yurt. We call that camping um, or glamping as well. Glamping, and yeah. Glamping. <laughs> um, and that's really important too. So um, just encourage you know you to to get out there. That's great advice. So Alyssa, we're taping this right before Thanksgiving, which I noticed on your site, you're calling Campsgiving. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, which I love. I told you before we got onto this call that I'm actually going camping over Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but so do you, do you have a New Year's resolution? You know, New Year's is one of my, it's probably my favorite holiday of the whole year. And um, I currently do not have one. I, I normally go... Uh, somewhere camping (laughs) where I can really think about that again. I don't, you know, that's a big decision and I like to make big decisions while I'm outside. Um, So I'll I'll definitely be thinking of, of that while I'm, I'm outside somewhere around the new year's holiday, but um, I guess it'll be something around health and balance. Those tend to be the themes I'm really, you know, gravitating towards um, right now again with, you know, building a company that is, you know, I'm grateful it's, it's growing so fast, but that, that means it needs a lot from me. And, um, you know, setting, uh, setting a resolution really around, um, you know, prioritizing my health and, and really working more and more towards a balanced uh, life will almost certainly be where uh, my resolution will fall. So good for you. Well, along the lines of balance, I know you mentioned you are not on social media that often. So where can people follow you or where's the best way for people to get in touch with you or just follow yeah. camp and, and what's going on with with the site? Because I know so much is happening. Yeah, well, quite hypocritically, Hip Camp is all over social media. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, you said, it's the my, way to connect. Myself as a person is not as much. Um, so, yeah, Hip Camp is um, on Instagram at Hip Camp, uh, Facebook at Hip Camp, uh, Twitter at Hip Campers, and uh, we publish all sorts of you know inspirational tips and uh, photos and um, you know just. I think really great stories that get people excited about getting outside more often. Um, and then of course um, we're on at hipcamp.com. Um, if you're looking for a campsite, it's the best place to start. And if you, you know, own land and are interested in um, both meeting new people who are excited about nature as well as earning some extra income, um, you can go to hipcamp.com as well and get started with um, figuring out if it's a good fit for you to host campers on your land. Thank you so much, Alyssa. You give me such hope for the future and you are such an inspiration to young women everywhere, including my own two daughters. Oh, thank you so much, Jennifer. I appreciate that. 
Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you'd like to hear from more inspiring guests like Alyssa, please take a moment to leave a rating and review for the show. If you have the Apple Podcast app, you can do that by putting the name of the podcast in the search bar. That's Uncivilized. Click on the album art and then scroll down to the bottom of the page to the area where you can rate and type in a review. Thank you in advance for that. And I will leave you with our theme music, which is by Paul Damien Hogan. And I will see you next Monday with a new episode.